0: Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia.
1: Turn with me to Matthew 28. If you don't have your Bibles this morning, then the uh, the, the, the scriptures will be on the screen. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation, but for this particular passage of scripture, it's not that different no matter what translation you're looking at. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Normally, we have uh, notes for you to follow along with if you'd like to fill in the blanks or some sort of guided listening. We don't have that today because this is a very different kind of message. This is the only passage of scripture that we'll be in today. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is after the the crucifixion and resurrection, right before his ascension back to the Father, Jesus told him, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go... So notice the, the transition word there, therefore. He's connecting his previous statement to what he's about to say. So go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Just go back to verse 18, let's just read that one more time because we need to get that in our in our really in our hearts. Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, Therefore, because of that, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. Father, we pray that you bless your word today, bless our time together today, and I pray God that your purposes would be accomplished in, in not only in this house, but in our hearts. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I mentioned this. Today's not going to be your typical message. Uh, today is, is my, I guess, my seventh or eighth annual State of the Church message, where we talk about uh, the health of of the church, uh, the previous year's uh, numbers, attendance and financial figures, but but also about what it means for our future. And I wanna start really with this because this is the most important part. The mission of this church and every Bible-believing church is exactly what we just read. It, It is to go and to make disciples, right? Wow, right? Come on, everybody. I know y'all know it's, it's early, but you're going to have to get with me, all right? So it was given to us by Jesus in this passage of Scripture. It's called the Great Commission. And listen, it's not optional. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't our spare time activity. This is the reason we are here. The mission of this church is to go and make disciples. Now, the vision of the church is how we carry out that mission, And for us, covenant life does it by being real, relational, and reaching. Real, relational, reaching. Real because nothing authentic, nothing lasting, nothing eternal happens in a person's life until they get real until they take the mask off and they face the reality of what's going on in their lives. Now listen, we don't want to be the cool church. We ain't trying to be the politically correct church. We want to be the real church where people can come and encounter a real God who can save them from their sin and change their lives. Relational because we believe that people matter. They matter to Jesus And they have to matter to us. So if we're going to make disciples, we've got to build relationships with people inside and outside the church. And then lastly, reaching. Reaching. We can't obey the command of God. We can't obey the Great Commission by staying in the four walls of the church. The first word of the Great Commission is go. Go. He told us to go. And most of the American churches have stayed. Go. We have to be relational. We have to be reaching. If you don't know any lost people, if you don't talk to any lost people, it's going to be really hard to see people come to Jesus. So we have to get outside the four walls where real life takes place. Now, the Jericho Project, which you've heard us refer to already this morning, is part of that vision. Listen, the Jericho Project is not the vision of the church. It's not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to go and make disciples. The vision of the church is to do that by being real and relational and reaching. The Jericho Project is part of that. Now it is the plan that, that we believe God inspired in us for the property next door where those in abandoned industrial buildings are right now. We own those and we and we have for a long time and God has finally or we have finally heard the vision of God. I started to say God finally gave it to us. He's probably been ready way before we were. We just got to get in the right place at the right time. We intend to tear those buildings down except for the two-story building down on the south end. And then we want to use this property to accomplish several purposes. We need to bring our kids' ministry adjacent to the sanctuary. Right now they're in the, uh, the old building up on the hill. Uh, we need a fellowship space where the whole church can get together at one time. And we want to build a walking track around the property so that we can welcome people from the community to come in and enjoy the property. And then maybe most importantly for us, we, we want to use that remaining building to help address the issue of sex trafficking. And we are not going to wait until we can renovate the property to begin that part of the work. And so that's why we're raising funds. That's why we're raising, we're raising awareness and we're bringing in items to support the house of Cherith, okay? So why, why are we doing that? Because it's a real issue that affects, that affects real people. And the church, honestly, has just been real silent about the issue, and we, have got, we feel like we are called of God to help address it and bring awareness to it. These women and their children, listen, they don't need to just be rescued and restored. They need to be discipled. They need to be discipled. So, so that's the mission. That's the vision. And it's important. What we do here is important to me, to you, I hope, and if we're doing it right, to this community. Now, it's, as, as part of my responsibility as the pastor, I have to do my best to keep my finger on the pulse of the church, to, to do a biometric screening from time to time, right? We have to make sure we're a healthy body. And there are lots of ways to measure the health of a church. Some of those ways are difficult to quantify and to measure. Some of the ways that you know our church is healthy is really more discerned than observed. But those are probably the more important measures. But the ones you can quantify, we still have to consider because every, every aspect of church health affects every other aspect of church health. And so today we're going to spend a little bit of time on some of the measurable stuff, okay? The financials and attendance from the previous year. I'm going to talk about what it means, not just to where we've been, but to where we're going. And I'm going to be a little more slower, a little slower and a little more methodical this year uh, because we've got a bunch of new faces since last year. Okay. So I'm going to explain some systems and some processes that I might not have talked about since last year, may not have even talked about them last year. Okay. So first of all, let me explain how we're configured as a church. Now, listen, I used to get really concerned about doing this because we have, we have guests and, and people that come in and, and you know, you're like, oh, John, should you share your church business and should you do this kind of thing on a Sunday morning? I've been overwhelmed over and over again that God brings people in at the right time for, the, for different reasons than I would ever have imagined. So don't get concerned if you invited somebody and they're hearing all this what seems like business stuff. You, you'd be surprised how God can use even stuff that seems like business stuff, to draw people to himself, okay? So let's dive in. Uh, how we're configured as a church. Uh, as, as the pastor of this church, I am ultimately responsible for every decision and every outcome. That's a real quick uh, job description for me. I'm responsible for everything. Um, some churches are deacon-led or committee-led. This, that's not our structure. This church is pastor-led. Uh, Now, obviously, I can't do everything by myself. I have two teams of people that help me to do that. One is the Church and Pastors Council. Um, Let me explain it this way. If I'm the president, the council is some form of, some combination of Congress and the Supreme Court, okay? They serve three major functions for me. They provide financial accountability. We'll talk more about that in just a second. They serve as advisors to me on policy, and on major decisions and they are they are representatives for you to me not that you can't come directly to me but some people would rather go through a representative okay so that's that's that side of things and then last year the other team that we have is our staff and our volunteers i reorganized the staff Uh, late last year and created what I'm calling the executive team. I've not said that publicly yet, but I've created the executive team. Not because of their importance, but because of their function as the executive branch. The legislative and judicial is over there with the council. The executive branch is executing the day-to-day stuff that it takes to run the church. So kind of like the president and his cabinet. Okay, So that team is made up of six individuals who, when we all meet, represent every ministry and every function of this church, okay? Uh, so Pastor Robbie obviously is a part of that. He is, he is now going to be known as the associate pastor for ministries. Um, he is uh, with Erica on their anniversary trip this weekend, so I think 24 years this year. So congratulate him when you see him come back. But Pastor Robbie oversees all of the ministries of the church, and he's done most of them. Okay, so that's why he is uniquely qualified for that. Uh, Missy Chapman, our church treasurer, will continue to serve in that role, but she is now the director of finances and operations. So uh, all the buildings, all the property, the spending, the inventory, the, the operations of the church now fall under her leadership. Corey Pearson, as our worship leader, serves on the executive team as well. No other staff member is as visible to the church and the community besides me as the person who fills that role. So we need to have that person at the table as well. Cindy Diaz, I think she's serving in the nursery this morning, has served in a variety of roles and she is now my executive assistant. Um, Jordan Weathers, who is at home with this nasty stomach thing that's going around, um, is now the director of media. Uh, it is a volunteer position. His responsibilities include all of the forms of, of communication, printed and electronic, uh, our website, our social media, all of that. Um, he has a degree in mass communications, so I think he is very well prepared for that role. And, and then completing the executive team is, is Heather Pearson as the connections director. It, it's also a volunteer position. And, and it's her responsibility to make sure people get connected to our church as quickly as possible. That they get welcomed, they get, uh, they get connected, so she oversees the greeters and the, and the welcome desk and guest follow-up and all of that kind of thing, okay? So these six people are my direct reports. Everybody else serves in, 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 that serves in the church du- reports to one of them. So the exception to that rule is, is Ronnie Smith. He is our head of security. Uh, Ronnie reports directly to me because issues of safety and security cut across every one of these ministries. And are just vital so uh, Ronnie and I talk directly and I represent his his concerns and his uh, and his perspective to all of the areas uh, of church okay so that's a little bit about how we're structured how the leadership is structured here let's let's dive into the finances from last year okay our 2019 total giving for 2019 was just over half $5 million dollars five hundred thirty three thousand dollars um, that number is one and a half percent less than it was the previous year. That's a, a difference of about $8,000. So when people hear about a half million dollar budget, they, the, the first thing they want to know is, well, where in the world does all that money go? Uh, well, that's what I'm about to tell you, okay? Salaries and payroll account for about 44 and a half percent of the expenditures. Any business owner will... Oh, nice. Yeah, we got them listed for you. So any business owner will tell you that the biggest expense is staffing, and churches are no exception to that rule. Pastor Robbie, Missy, and myself are full-time employees, but we also have five part-time employees or part-time staff members. And then anyone who contracts with us through the year uh, as a 1099 laborer is also part of this, uh, part of this figure. Now, I want you to know this, and I don't remember having said this uh, in previous years, so I want to make sure that everybody hears me clearly. Uh, No member of the staff has any portion of their salary connected to any particular church metric. No, what does that mean, John? What are you saying? It means when I talk about giving or membership or anything of that sort, I'm not angling for a raise. I'm not angling for a bonus or anything of that nature. That's not how our compensation works, okay? This staff does what it does because they love God, because they love this church, and because they love you. So you can trust the hearts of these people are pure. We are not incentivized monetarily. Okay. So let's keep going on, on last year's expenditures, uh, after salaries and payroll ministries is the next portion of that from kids ministry to student ministry, to music ministry, to missions, even to the, the hospitality ministry and the cafe, all of the different ministry arms of the church are accounted for in this category. Now, we gave over $15,000 last year to local and global missions from the Philippines to Honduras to the Middle East. Um, The footprint of covenant life literally reaches around the globe. We also support local ministries here in in Harrelson County uh, and in Carroll County, uh, uh, missions like the Pregnancy Resource Center, um, the CCC, the Christian Um, Community Christian Council, uh, and the Bremen Food and Clothing Bank. We support all of those monthly. Um, In 2020, this year, we're going to make some changes to uh, our missions and outreach giving. We believe that if we can reshuffle some things, reprioritize some things, that we can reallocate almost $400 a month, and we're going, to, we're going to send that money to the house of Cherith in Atlanta to begin to rescue the Rahabs, to begin to move forward in what it is we feel like God has, has called us to do. You say, John, why don't we just give that money to the Jericho Project? Because that's a closed system. It's a dead sea setup. If everything that comes in stays in, then we'll get too inwardly focused. So we need to give and join others in what others are doing for the kingdom and not just what we're doing for the kingdom. Okay, So we've targeted some other outreach funds that we, that we plan to reallocate later in the year to the Jericho Project, but we're excited about these changes, and we believe that they're going to help make us better stewards and more focused and effective for the kingdom because we, you find out real quick you can't do everything. So you have to do what God has called you to do and try to let some of the other things fall to the wayside. Let somebody else in the body pick those up. The next category is operating expenses. About 12% of what came in last year went to operating expenses. It takes a lot to operate a church of this size. Um, That category includes things like bank fees, uh, most of which are are because of our online giving. Um, So we have bank fees, office supplies, giving envelopes, connection cards, paper products, yay, toilet paper, yay, Um, cleaning supplies, yay, Lysol, Thank God for Lysol. And, and building maintenance, landscaping, all that kind of thing is in, that, is in that category. 9% of last year's expenditures go to utilities, Georgia Power, and the gas uh, company, and, uh, and the city of Bremen. It took uh, almost $50,000 to keep the lights on, keep the toilets flushing, keep the buildings heated and cooled. Um, We added some much needed security lights uh, outside, so that that was a little bit of it as well. Um, But that's just the biggest part of our utility uh, cost, just like your house, is heating and cooling. Um, We have well over a dozen HVAC units on our campus. Um, The council and I are trying to devise a plan to be able to start proactively replacing those HVAC units as soon as we can. The ones here in the sanctuary were installed in 2005. The ones in the Coley building are even older than that. Um, we would rather change them out when we want to than when we have to. Um, but that's going to require saving a significant amount of money and all at the same time while we're trying to raise money for the Jericho Project and keep everything operating um, at the level to which everyone is accustomed. So, so honestly, please pray for us. That we, that we have wisdom and know how to do what we do because this is no small task, okay? Um, the mortgage accounts for about 8% of, uh, of what we got going on. Uh, we do have a mortgage, on, a mortgage on this property. The payment is about, uh, about $4,500 a month. We owe about $600,000 total indebtedness, we have, but we have seven and a half acres of property and it's worth about one and a half million dollars. So that's a very manageable and appropriate amount of debt. Would we like to be debt-free? Absolutely. But until then, we are committed to keeping our total indebtedness uh, as low as absolutely possible, okay? The tithe of tithes accounted for about 7.5% of of our expenditures. Uh, Let me explain what that means. Many people think that when you're a part of a denomination uh, that the denomination gives you money every month. That is not how that works. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. Just like every other form of government, um, they don't have any money except what comes from their constituents. So, in the churches of God, we're we're part of the Church of God denomination. Ten percent of everything that comes in marked tithe. So that's where the term tithe of tithes. Ten percent of everything that comes in marked tithe uh, is sent to the denomination for things like church support and governance, world missions, and church planting. So half of, the, half of it goes to the state office in Lawrenceville, half of it goes to the international headquarters in Cleveland, Tennessee. So about 7.5% of our annual budget falls into that category. Then the last one uh, is about 1.2%. Like every other organization and household in the world, we have to have insurance. So we have property insurance as well as workman's comp for our uh, employees which we are federally required to have. Uh, We had auto insurance in 2019. Um, We've just sold our last church van so we won't have to pay for that this year, praise God. Um, Because we don't have a weekly van route, it's way cheaper for us to rent a van when we need one than to have a monthly payment on a van Um, and then have the maintenance and the insurance and the upkeep and all of that kind of thing. So as long as that model is still fiscally sound for us moving into the future, we're just gonna keep doing that, all right? Um, Now, we do our best to maintain the highest um, level of integrity and accountability that we can when it comes to finances. We have a financial system that has multiple checks and balances built in and for operational security reasons i'm not going to share with you what all of that means Uh, but i can tell you this our church council sees every expenditure line by line every month uh, for for everything that goes out there is a printed copy of our banks of our bank statement that is available for them to review every month Um, in addition we have a cpa who comes in and audits our books every quarter and reviews our processes to make sure that everything uh, is handled professionally and honestly. Uh, and she's a resource for us that if anything comes up, we, then we can call her and ask her. Uh, but we want to do our very best to be, uh, to be above board and uh, accountable and people of integrity when it comes to, finan- to finances. Okay, That's all the financial stuff. I will say this, any, any uh, I am available for any questions that you might have uh, if you want to ask a member of the council you can ask them as well um, so we we are we are certainly open to answering whatever questions that you might have um, the other church metric that is measurable it's quantifiable is attendance. For the year as a whole, we saw an 8% increase in attendance in 2019 over the previous year. Um, Our average attendance for the year was 269. That includes the main sanctuary and the kids' ministry areas. Um, We don't double count ministry staff who serve in both services. The only people who are counted twice are people who come twice twice of their own accord occasionally somebody will stay for both services if they're staying for both services they get counted in both services but if they're here because they're serving they don't get double counted okay so we're trying our best to to be uh to be as clear and fair and above board as possible i've heard pastors tell me tell me stories of churches they took over and they found their ushers counting people as they drove through the parking lot (laughs) they were just dropped like a car full of people came to drop off one kid and they're counting every head in the car uh, so, we actually need them to sit down in the sanctuary before we count them, all right? Uh, now, if you break down attendance numbers any, uh, even further, the, the news is even more encouraging. The last half of the year, instead of two, 269, we averaged 285. The last three months of the year, so October, November, December, was an average of 297. In the month of January that we just completed, uh, not only did we average 328, but every week was over 323. So, so we're growing, y'all. That's good news. We're growing. And we're growing fast. Uh, we put out uh, 20-something more chairs a couple of weeks ago. And we only have about 10 more chairs left. So we're we just about maxed out on chairs. And then we'll start figuring something else out. So if you compare January to January, January 2020 to 2019, we've grown by 34%. So, so that's, that's pretty stinking exciting, right? Amen. Um, but listen, the real measure, the real measure is not attendance. The real measure for church health is not attendance. It's engagement. It's engagement. We have to change the traditional mindset. Um, it's not just how many are coming it's how many are connecting, you know How many people are serving and growing and changing and giving and going to small groups? That's the real key to church health. Why? Because it's about the Great Commission. We aren't called to make church attenders. We aren't called to make, uh, to make converts. We're called to make disciples. And so we can't be event-driven. We can't be attendance-driven. We have to be relationship-driven. If you want to look at it this way, it's really about engagement over time. Discipleship is about engagement over time. That's how people's lives change. So engagement, though, is not just about physical attendance. Um, a whole lot of people are engaging with us online. I can't tell you how many people I meet who tell me they watch or listen every week, and I'm just, it just shocks me every time. I'm just blown away because there's some of these people who don't go to church, they, the church for them is watching us on YouTube, all right? And that's a segment of the population that's growing a, a really exponentially every year. So our messages probably average about 60 views a week, uh, but it varies greatly. Some of them 150, 200 views, and some, and then some a whole lot less. Uh, our podcast on all of the different platforms, which Pastor Mark Stroud at Kingdom Rock manages for us, uh, those podcast last year, had thousands of listens all over the state of Georgia, but also in California, Texas, Kansas, Iowa, Alabama, and Washington. Um, and if you can believe it, people were listening in Belize, which is in South America, in Spain, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and Norway. I probably make a lot more sense in Spanish and Norwegian, so you should give that a shot. Um, we also get lots of engagement through our Facebook page, social media. Heather Poole does a fantastic job of getting two-way dialogue going on social media that pulls people in so we can connect with them and they can connect with each other. Why? Because we have to be relational. You have to be relational. So let, let me wrap this thing up by, by, saying, by, by saying these things. Last year at this time, we were planning to launch... Um, launch a women's group. We're planning to, launch, to relaunch the men's group, and I'm happy to report that both of those uh, are, are doing very well, and they have lots of new ideas for the new year, so stay tuned. We have several other groups that are still going strong, several more that are on the launching pad for this year, so again, stay tuned. Uh, our prayer team is growing. Our security team is solid and getting more and more focused and well-trained. Uh, our kids and student ministries continue to grow, continue to thrive. Our worship time is getting deeper and more powerful each week, it seems. So if the question is, what is the state of the church? Then the answer is this. The need is desperate. The opportunity is great. The vision is clear. The power is God's. The time is now. And the state of our church is strong. And if we'll stay humble, and if we'll stay in harmony with, with each other, then we are well positioned for 2020 and beyond to go and make disciples by being real and relational and reaching. Amen? Amen. Now, before we go, and y'all can come on and play something real quick if you don't mind. Uh, before we finish up, I want to I bring it back to our opening scripture and I want to place this in in its proper context, so don't, don't stop listening because this is maybe the most important part. When Jesus said, go make disciples, He was not standing in front of a church. He wasn't standing in front of the temple. Jesus wasn't standing in front of, nor was He addressing an institution. He was talking to individuals. So, it isn't just, the, so, so you're maybe you're saying, well, so John, is, is the Great Commission not the command of Jesus for the church? Yes, absolutely it is. But it is our command corporately because it's our command individually. That we come together as individuals to go and meet the Great Commission uh, together because we've all been commanded. So he's saying to each of them and to each of us this morning, go make disciples. So it isn't just the mission of the church. It's the mission of every member of the church. So let me ask you today, not just what is the state of the church. Let me ask you, what is the state of your spiritual life? What is the state of your going? What is the state of your making disciples? in your life, not just in your church. Listen, 85%, I haven't said this in a few months, 85% of the people in Carroll and Harrelson and Paulding and wherever you live, all the surrounding counties, the the statistics are the same. 85% of the people that we live around, that we work with, we go to school with, do not attend church more than once a month. And how many of those who do attend are actually committed, engaged believers who are engaged in the Great Commission? We have a harvest field. We're literally living in a harvest field that's ripe for harvest. Here's what we know churches who are doing well at the Great Commission are made up of people who are doing it in their personal lives as well, who take it as a personal command. So listen, God is blessing this church and I am grateful. But remember, it's not about attendance. It's about engagement. We have to get engaged in the work of the ministry. We have to get engaged in the Great Commission. We've got to wake up every day and ask God, What can I do for your kingdom today? So, the good news is found in what Jesus said before and after the Great Commission, because that's a daunting task. He said in verse 18 All power is on heaven, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. And then after telling us to go and make disciples in verse 19, he follows up in verse 20 and finishes out the conversation with this. And listen, I am with you always, wherever you go, even to the ends of the earth and carrying out what I called you to do. So listen, don't be frightened. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid to do what he called you to do. Jesus is with us. He's with us everywhere that we go. And he has all power in heaven and on earth to do what we need when we're doing what he called us to do. So walk with him every day. Do what he says and watch him make disciples through you. Why don't you stand with me? I love to have good church and I love it when you go home and, you're, and you came in kind of dragging and you go home feeling like you're on top of the world I love that and, and we should all love that sometimes though you start to think that that's the point you start to think that that's the goal and that as long as you have good church everything's fine So sometimes we have to stop and remind ourselves of what it is we're doing here. So having good church is not the goal. Having good church should be the result of two things. One, getting filled back up so you can go back out and and carry out the Great Commission. Or two, rejoicing and celebrating what God has accomplished through the rest of the week as we've all gone out and fulfilled the Great Commission. Okay, so wanted to take a minute this morning, look back on 2019, celebrate the good things of the Lord, appreciate what He's doing in us, but refocus our attention. Get us back to the core of what it is that we're here to do, and that's to go and make disciples. And listen, if, we, if by the end of the year we, we have 500 people attending church here every week, and nobody's getting saved and nobody's lives are changing that you're coming in and going out exactly the same way. If you start 2021 the same way you started 2020 and we got people running everywhere, we failed. If we wind up with $600,000 in total giving this year and nobody's getting saved and nobody's getting discipled and nobody's lives are changing, we're just having good church and people are giving, we failed. So let's remember what it is that God's called us to do and, and and realize we don't just do it on Sunday. We do it every stinking day. So we're going to pray. I'm going to ask them just to to sing a song and, and, um, let's take some time. It's just going to be three minutes, four minutes. And if you want to respond during that time, you come onto the altar and you pray as long as you want to. You can pray about this message. You can pray about anything that's going on in your life, physical needs, uh, financial needs, relationship issues, big decisions that are coming up, whatever's going on. This is a place for you to be real. So come on down and pray. But listen, don't, don't don't dismiss the message today because there are lots of nuts and bolts and figures and facts. The call is still the same. The goal is still the same. The mission is still the same. And it is accomplished spiritually when we surrender ourselves to Him. So let's make sure we're, we're positioned for that.
0: We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.